106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Long Olympics, Saxon Jacks, I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Andrew on the board, S&P Futures up 16, they were just up 22. NASDAQ Futures up 37, literally two minutes ago they were up 65, so let's hope this rally holds, but uh, look, a little, look a little wobbly. Speaking of wobbly, do we have Mr. Kevin? Yeah, you do, and speaking of wobbly, did you see the uh, clips of uh, Tua last night? I'm looking at him right now. Uh, those don't look There's good. wobbly for you. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's kind of an ugly moment for the NFL five days after he got well, hit. Well, it, it is when you consider that uh, he probably should not been put, uh, not have gone back into the game on Sunday when he, even though they claim that he didn't have a concussion, when somebody gets hit really hard in the head and they get up and they're kind of staggering around, that's probably a concussion. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then they play him again on a short turnaround. I'm kind of thinking bad judgment here. Um, yeah, well, what happened? What? What happened to the part about there has to be a doctor not affiliated with the team? That anytime there's a concussion, they have to make the determination? Did that go by the way of the dodo bird, or what? No, it's it's still part of it. I, I think there's uh, I, I think there will be a story to be told here. Um, and, uh, and you know what? Maybe it's going to turn out that he was totally cleared and there was no reason he shouldn't have played, but I'm not sure about that, uh, especially because... When he took the second blow, and and really it wasn't anything that they the defense defensive lineman did other than go in and grab him, you know, kind of grabbed him around the waist, and as part of the tackle, he uh, he went to the ground and he hit his head on the on the surface. Which was so, a, um, we're not yeah, but but it was it was a violent you know hit to the head, and uh, so even if he's uh, you know even if you think he can play. Um, you're you're in a situation where another one is going to be a problem, and so now you're in a short turnaround game. You know, maybe maybe two weeks from now another one's not going to be such a problem, but it is right now. And and I'm you know certainly not expert in head injuries or anything like that, and not trying to claim to be. Um, and uh, so am I. You know, am I Monday morning quarterbacking it? Yeah, to an extent I am. But you know, I, I think part. You know. The, the question for the Miami Dolphins, for their coach, for their management team, and all, is is to a part of the equipment, or is is he a um, uh, a human being who you uh, and you're in charge of that human being's not just 
uh, ability to play football, but his his well being when he plays football, and and I think that's that's the question that needs to be. Well, asked. generally, I you know I guess I have this opinion whether it's right or not. Who the hell knows? Uh, I always thought that at least recently, since they're paying these guys this much money, the pros were much more caring of their players than the college. In mean, college, they, I don't think. I'm not so sure they care too much <laughs> about some of their guys. I'm, uh, they're, just, they're, they're just sacks of wheat, I mean, uh, for some people. But I, I, there, it is, from what I understand about the concussion thing, is that once you, if you have one, for whatever reason, it's really easy to get the next one. And if you start to get them routinely, then you're going you're to get them routinely. I mean, you look no further than the Cubs' manager. I mean, uh, he started to have concussions from balls, you know, hitting the face mask. And I, th- I think he got one in the World Series game. I don't know if you remember that. It hit in the face mask. I don't remember. Yeah, and he, and he was, it, he really took his time getting back down into the spot. But yet it was, it was a blow that most people, um, it's not fun to get whacked in the face mask with a ball. I don't think it bothers most people. But once you have a history of it for some reason, and I don't, oh boy, I wish we had a neurosurgeon in here. They get easier and easier. Now, this guy here with the, so we say, slight one the other day and a, and a pretty serious one last night, I'm not sure that he shouldn't be, you know, eight weeks out or something. Or maybe the whole year. <laughs> I, uh, and, and, you know, depending on what happened, you know, what the diagnosis is after they hauled him off last night, it could be that. He was con- uh Treated for a concussion. He, he was on the stretcher with it, you know, and... and uh, well, they brought him to a trauma center, for God's sake. Yeah. Now, I, I understand he flew yeah. back with the team, and usually they won't let you fly with a concussion. But, you know, who knows? How much do you trust the Dolphins' decision-making when it comes to that guy? I get, uh, the coach is very concerned, evidently. He said, when he saw me, I knew that I, that, it, that wasn't the same guy I'm used to seeing. Um, anyway, so that's... Kind of, the good news is that Colin, Colin's bet one. He's, he said, take the other guy. Well, that's the important part. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure people <laughs> feel that way. I know. It's a, a uh, I, you know, it, I, I'm suspecting now that a lot of people who watch these baseball games, and certainly to people, what's the, what's the NFL thing where you get to see like a little bit of every game? I think we've oh, gone. Look-ins, yeah, the live look-ins. I think we've really NFL gone away for a, a significant part of the population that if you go out to the game and you bet on the next pitch being a strike or not or whatever you can do I don't think I don't think a lot of people care who wins or loses <laughs> it, it's a whole different program it's, 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 it's you know it's like it's, it's like going to the blackjack table right uh, well it, it's sort of like uh, you know fantasy football has created a lot of interest in football uh, but it but it has undermined a lot of interest in, in team football yeah it's you know everything is I just, uh, we didn't have enough time with Colin yesterday because we ran over a little bit with uh, uh, Dan. And uh, one of these days, because it takes Colin really 10 minutes uh, to go through his picks because he likes to explain them, which is it's actually fun to listen to. At least I think so. And uh, I still am absolutely, I'm not exactly convinced, Kevin, how exactly these states say they're making all this money on this stuff. I don't. I, I do the math, and I, I you know I know a little bit about how the gambling thing works. Uh, you know, maybe more than I let on actually, but uh, I'm still not convinced where the cash comes from. I mean, I know that 
in horse racing, for instance, um, the, when you have everything was was called pari mutual betting. If we, if we all go to Arlington Park, the, the deer depart at Arlington Park, and we all bet on the horses in the seventh race, you can see on the board the win pool. So every time somebody puts two dollars down on, on a nag, the two dollars goes up in that nag's column. Okay, so so at the end of the day. You take the wind pool, you take all the, all the amount of money, money bet on all the horses, and you, you know, add it all up, and when the one horse wins, you essentially pay out 85% of the money to those people who have winning tickets on that horse. And the other 15%, I think, you know, five or six went to the state, and the rest went to the track or something. So, so that's how the state made money. I mean, it was fairly obvious. But... I don't. I don't get when I when I put down 110 bucks to win 100 on a football bet or a baseball bet. I mean, I, the, the the state's not getting any part of that bet. They 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 couldn't possibly. There's not enough edge there. So I get the part where they're gonna you know if the Cubs put a a gambling thing in Wrigley Field, maybe they can up the you know the taxes on Wrigley Field and if and if the place makes a lot of money, the state's gonna get their what's the what's the rate three four five percent. I don't, but I don't. I don't see them getting a piece of the game. We need to start working, uh, considering we, we ought to refer to uh, uh, tax uh, taxes for the state as the vig. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think they're they're part of the bet. I know they aren't. No, yeah. but it's just yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying the way they operate state government, we ought to consider it. Oh, without without a, without a doubt. But I'm saying if, if you go to a casino, Vegas here or wherever it is, and you and you bet on the crap table. They're, they're, they're not getting a piece of the handle of the crap table. If, if the casino does well, and of course they're going to they're charge the casino a boatload for the license. Yeah, so, there's a game, there's a big nut on the gaming license. Yeah, so, the, so, so the, you know, that's there. But the actual gambling itself, unlike the lottery, because I just heard some announcement yesterday uh, uh, on, on News Radio 78 talking about how they're, they're, how they're doing so well on the lottery and on the uh, video games in, in restaurants. And I'm going to say, Kevin, and you know, this is not judgmental, although actually it probably is judgmental, that is probably the most regressive tax you can put on your population. Lottery and video games and bars. Can you think of one worse? No, because it's very low odds of winning. And so you're—I mean—you're guaranteed to confiscate the money. Um, yeah, I think that's—that's—you know—it it would be hard to uh, hard to do worse by your people. I would say that the. How can I say this politically correctly? That the people—if you were to take a sample of the people. No, every time you catch yourself saying that, you should stop. Oh, I know. There. I know. <laughs> I'm going to say that if you gave a, a statistics test or any kind of a, an equivalency of high school diploma test and the people who normally play lottery the most, you will find that those people have no, no concept of what the odds are. And uh, did, you ever, did you ever do any work on game theory? I did way, way, way back. I, I did not. I, I have not. I'm, I'm aware of, of what it is, but uh, no, never did any work at all. Well, because if it's... If it's uh, People, somehow or another, depending on, I won't say the class of people, but some of the education and, and some of the desperate times, the times are really a big part of it. Uh, recession times, depression times. 
what you end up having, like, if, I mean, if, if you and I want to, if we go and play blackjack, we're going to want to at least learn the basic rules, on, uh, which, which if, you, if you know your basic strategy really well, you probably get your odds up to pushing 47 48%. Now, craps, if you play just the pass line and you, and you play uh, the, the double behind the line, I'm going to say you get your odds up to 0.495, that high. Um, but that's not, but if you're looking for, for big pools or, or big winnings, that's why you have the lotteries are a big success. Because even though I know that for every dollar I put in the lot- lottery, they're only returning 45 cents. If I win, even though I have this infinitesimal chance of winning, it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge kill. If you're yeah, so, so in other words, if, I, if I'm going to go bet on the crap table and I want to bet 50 bucks, which is a lot for a crap table, because you've got to put 100 behind the line, um, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm working it, I might get a streak, I might do something, but I'm really not planning on coming away if I show up with $1,000 at a crap table, unless you're some kind of goofball, you're really not planning on coming away with like 20 grand. I mean, it would be one hell of a night. I mean... I mean, it's not, it's not to say it couldn't happen, but it, it, it would be really rare. So, but if, 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 I, if I could put some, my 50 bucks down, and I had a, you know, say a, a reasonable chance where they paid back 80% of the money, and I had a chance of winning like 20 grand or something, people do that. It's called, uh, mathematically, it's called your, your risk-reward curve is skewed to the right. That you're willing to take less of money back if the prize gets big enough to be a game changer. So people don't even ask. Yeah. So, yeah, you're playing probabilities. Higher payoff, lower probability of actually seeing it, getting down to the lottery where your probability is infinitesimal. But as they say in the commercials, or used to say in the commercials, somebody's got to win. Yeah. Well, actually, they don't <laughs> any given week, right? Yeah, but eventually somebody wins. Right. Well, yeah, I guess if you string it all over. But there's been how many, sometimes they've been going how many weeks? I mean, the chances of catching, what do you need, five numbers plus the, plus the bonus? Is it five or oh, six? Yeah. And, and when you when you think about it, you know, how, how many times have, uh, um, you know, has it rolled? I mean, we it, it is not a couple times a year we start pushing towards a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. So that's you the know, thing. Certainly, certainly half a billion, that, that, that seems to happen now. But if you were to say to somebody, you're going to go play craps, and every time you put $10 out there, your chances of, of your return is, is four, you say, well, why the hell would I do that? But if you look at the lottery and you say, I put $10 out there, my chance of return is four, but if I happen to hit it, it's 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 life-changing event, it, it's different. Anyway, so I mean, so, so you'll see the, the lower economic parts of the population playing the lottery a lot more than people who have money and can do the math. Which is exactly, I think, what you don't want. Or maybe if you're in state government, it's exactly what you do want. I mean, because you think those people don't, you know. I always give the example of the, when I lived at 70 West Huron, being the good son every Saturday, I go, go to Southside, take my mom to breakfast. And I go down and grab coffee before I jump in the Ford Bronco. And uh, same black dude was in there, nice guy. We'd sit there BSing. And he, he made 20 bucks on the street the night before. Uh, Big thing of Coke, two Doritos, and 18 lottery tickets or 17 lottery tickets. And the guy probably the highest highest tax rate of anybody in the state. 
mean, I didn't really want to go through the math for him, but because he was happy or seemed to be. I don't know if he ever won, but I uh, hope he did. Hope he, <laughs> hope he was a big winner one of these days. It was a nice guy. But, I mean, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that, that would be the good story of winning. That would be the good story of winning, yeah. So, uh, anyway, that's it's, it. when you do these things, I just don't like it when they continue to drag money out of people every which way. But, I mean, for somebody who likes to bet baseball or football, I get it. It's fun. But for the state, it's just money. Lottery, it's just money. And they don't care who wins, who loses, and... There was a lady who, uh, one of the restaurants Audrey and I go to on the south side, she'd make, you know, 60 or 80 bucks working her shift in the, as a waitress, and she'd blow 40 on the way out on the, on the machine every day. And I just, look at that, Kevin, I go, it's almost criminal, you know? It's just, just me. What can I say? So, there. I just wish I had put money on a game last night with Colin. So, having said all that. Well, yeah, that'll teach you. Um, he, his other, what do you think of his other three? He's got the Cowboys. Didn't hear him. So what are his other three? Uh, his Cowboys, he's got the Cowboys uh, minus three. I don't know what the other plan. Uh, he's got. Uh, he likes uh, Washington. Uh, the the uh, college game minus three. And he likes the over in the Atlanta. Oh, the game. University of Washington. Yeah, he's got one college game in here. And he likes the I'm over. He, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He likes the over because he said they. Uh, I guess they whipped up on Stanford, didn't they? Um. Yeah, I think it seems to me, and I don't pay a lot of attention to the Pac-12, but it seems to me that the um, that Washington is sort of having their uh, mini resurgence here. Yeah, yeah. Because Washington has historically been a very good program. Um, then they were down a little bit, and they and they really, really wanted to clinch it. They wanted to make sure that they got way, way down and stayed down. So they hired Ty Willingham. Oh yeah, God yeah. I hope I remember that. And, and he, he actually had a winless season there, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he was uh, kind of a dud. Uh, and then, then he likes Atlanta. Well, he, he was, uh, you know, he, he, he was, he, I, I don't know how else to describe him other than, you know, he, he had a lot of Chauncey Gardner in him. It sounded good, but it, it, it made no sense yeah. when, you, when you actually listen to what he had to say. Well, he likes the over in the Atlanta game. The uh, My guys, well, we're talking a lot about betting here this morning, but before they, uh, <laughs> was, when I first started going to the AAA, this was like the older group, right? These guys were really into this betting. I mean, they had they had guys. They they had guys. They didn't they didn't if they wanted they'd like the team. They uh, they would have guys in Vegas, you know, see what the different odds were in the different spots, make sure they got the right point and that kind of thing. Sometimes they did the middle and stuff, but they were a whole different brand of ball. Kevin, is they 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 stuck with the colleges. And they were convinced. It's very, very difficult even now to get like injury reports out of colleges. And uh, you know, you get, I mean, you get them a little bit on the Irish because you're kind of right there. But um, these guys somehow had a lot of sources, and they virtually almost all their their uh, bets were on over/under bets in college, based on a lot of injury reports. Or you know, and I think that they had a lot of seasons where they were pretty seriously in the plus. You know, which is really pretty hard. I mean, if you if you if you bet every week, it's really hard to. I mean, you're, you're giving up ten percent every week, which means you you know you got to win, hundred and ten percent of the time, which is, uh, or you got to win what fifty five percent of the time to break even. So, I mean, it, which is really hard to do. And uh, these guys would they would have you know a, a consortium of a lot of guys and a, a few scouts and people in Vegas to put the vets down, and uh, they had guys to go collect them so they could split them up without anybody knowing who got the 
dough. They were they were all pretty organized, and they really focused in on these over under bets. And that's something I never, I don't know, I just something I never focused on. I always worried, worried more about the teams and who was going to win. But I guess that if you're good at it, there's probably more money there than picking a winner. I don't, what do you think? Um, well, I that that makes sense now that you say it. Um, just uh, just because, well, you know, picking winners against the spread is really difficult, especially in college, where the spreads often are really really big. Yeah, well, that, that that's a fool's game, I think. You know, so when you when you have a twenty eight point spread, who who are you going to pick? Uh, you know, I mean that that's that's a challenge and a half. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it makes uh, a lot of sense to s- just say, okay, who's playing? Will that? How will that affect the number of points scored? And uh, so, I, you know, as you say it, yeah, I could, I could see that being the way to go. Well, you know, it, it pays wow. to have a. And I always talk about in the securities industry how some people get picked on and some people don't. Um, talk about this for a quote. Your 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 late best buddy, Bear Bryant, Paul Bear Bryant. Uh, I tried to steal his hat after the Sugar Bowl game, but I couldn't get near him. We had about how many cops surrounded him after every game? uh, Oh, a lot. Yeah. And uh, he's playing somebody. Like you say, it was this big, big score. And Alabama was, they were like 28-point favorites or something. And they're winning by 26. And they're on the other guy's like 30-yard line. And they got like five seconds left. So he kicks a field goal. And everybody's like... What the hell? And uh, after the game, they said to him, uh, "Coach, uh, it sure seemed like he had the game won. What did you What did you kick the field goal for?" And he goes, "Hey, I know the spread was twenty four something, and I know how many Alabama people bet on Alabama, so I want him to make money. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Imagine if anybody else but him would have said that. Just looking out for the fans. Just looking out for the fans. I mean, <laughs> at least he was honest about it. I mean, it was you know." I, Kind of strange. Yeah, because I'm sure that uh, his conference commissioner was on the phone with him uh, within an hour, saying, "Never say that again." You know what? I'll bet with Bear Bryant, they just let it go. He was a legend. Could have been you or me, possibly. Yeah, I bet possibly. They... But I still think maybe maybe they were just more polite with Bear Bryant. But yeah, nobody ever want, wanted, in, especially in those days, nobody ever wanted to talk about gambling. Well, but did you? It was like you know, la 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 la. I can't yeah. hear you. <laughs> But did, but did you ever you ever th- did anybody dumb enough to think that the head coach doesn't know the spread? And whether he actually there might be some that don't care or that you know scrupulously go out of their way. But no, I do expect that the head coach knows the spread. They they need to know whether to take offense and whether to get their team all fired up about it. Yeah, well that, that part's true. So um, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the Fed is doing. We actually had the chance to see some people from the Fed last night. They're not. Policymakers or anything, but uh, and they they all said <laughs> that uh, Jerome Powell is actually one of the nicest guys you'll ever come across. He's going to have taken a fall for this, Kevin. And you know what? All he's all he's done is what people asked him to do, which is kind of scary because you know, I don't I'm not so sure that there is because people yesterday were talking about Paul Volcker and his personality. And he he was he was told that when he went in there that he had a he had a free reign and that, that the the thing he had to fix was so important that he just had to fix it. So he went in with that sort of a deal. There hasn't been anybody since that's gone in with that kind of a mandate by, by the president, by the, by the country, really. And uh, the, the idea that, that this guy could have, uh, you know, I'll go back to the Trump thing. The COVID starts and he went, 
want to send everybody a two thousand dollar check or twelve hundred, whatever it was, for this guy to say I'm not giving you the dough. I, I don't know that anybody would ever have had that kind of power. Do you? And the same thing when now Biden gets in, he's doing the same thing when him. But now they've they've kind of shut it down. You know, when I, we get back, I'll talk about you know the money supply has had like no growth since March. So it, it as you know, it, it gripes me to see everybody opining about this inflation. Don't seem to ever check any of these numbers. I mean. You, you think you'd, you'd check the numbers before you open your mouth, but evidently people don't do that. Yeah, no, you, people don't like evidence anymore. No, God, no. They, they, the, uh, they don't like data. No, God, no. SP futures up 14, NASDAQ futures up 37. Like I said, when we came in, there up 23, and NASDAQ was up 65, so we're already leaking a little. We leaked, leaked huge yesterday. And then, then we got this Nike issue down uh, almost 10 bucks, 10%. That's a lot. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. 
but I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board. S&P Futures up 14. NASDAQ Futures up 35. Let me get the other page up here as I'm trying to figure out what the, how much total wealth has gone down with this market selling off. I think it's been quite a bit, uh, as, in, as in like the trillions of dollars. Is. Um, the uh, Dow Futures are up 84, even though Nike's trading down 948. And I'll give you my story on my Nike trade yesterday, uh, another aggravating uh, sort of thing. Uh, over in Asia, we got the Nikkei down 484, that's 1.8%. Shanghai down 16.5%. Actually, got a little bit of a blip up in the Hang Seng, up 56.3%, but still 17,222, way down, I mean, way down. Uh, they were 29,000 a little over a year ago, so that's a big hit. Uh, yesterday, Dow was down 458, S&P down 78, NASDAQ down 314, so a very ugly day after a very good day. Uh, European market stacks up 22 0.2%, FTSE up 18.2%, CAC around up 36.6%, but so slightly the upside there, but not worth a whole lot of convi- conviction. Uh, bonds down four basis points, 3.70. These are the 10-year, just the 10-year rate. Is it brushed four early in the week? Uh, bond minus 12 basis points, 2.08. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil is uh, up 28 cents, 81.48, so at least back up over 80. It's in the 70s earlier in the week. Rent up 63 cents, 89.12. Natural gas up 7 cents, 6.94, way below the $9 one a couple weeks ago. Very huge volatility in natural gas. Arbob down 2 cents, 2.48. We've got gold up 4.10, 16.72. Silver up 29 cents, 19 bucks exactly. Uh, copper up 2 cents, 3.43. We've got Bitcoin up 84 bucks, then 19.484, so back above 19,000 from yesterday morning. And the 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 currencies, which were, were wild again yesterday, uh, the pound is back up to 110, even though it's down 59 uh, thousandths today. It was down to 104, I believe it brushed there Tuesday morning. Uh, Euro is 0.976, still under a buck, but not like the 94 was the other day. So we're, we're, we're moving. This stuff is moving. Andrew, what do you got for us, uh, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is 634 here in Chicago, and it's the last day of September, Friday the 30th. Now for sports last night in Major League Baseball, the Cubs won against the Phillies in a 2-0 game, and the White Sox also came out on top, playing against the Twins in a 4-3 game. Now tonight we can look forward to the Cubs playing the Reds at 1.20 p.m., the White Sox playing the Padres at 4.80, sorry, 8.40 p.m., and finally the Diamondbacks playing against the Giants at 9.15 p.m. Now for weather, in Chicago it's clear and chilly skies at 45 degrees, the high of 68 and low of 45. And at Phoenix, we also have clear skies at 76 degrees with a high of 98 and a low of 76. Now for Chicago traffic, the exit ramp connecting the eastbound Dan Ryan to the outbound Stevenson is indefinitely closed due to a brush fire causing structural damage. There are delays around there. And an accident is blocking the right lane and building delays on the outbound Eisenhower near, 7th, near 9th Avenue. Uh, and gapers, due to the accident, are causing delays on the inbound side as well. 
And with that, some traffic has built on the inbound Stevenson near Central Avenue, but otherwise there are no major uh, delays to report, and traffic is building as usual. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. The uh, My Nike story, uh, Kevin, is... Uh the stock was trading like 96 yesterday, and earnings were last night, and I like putting on these earnings plays. When, when they are priced, you know, appropriately, well, in my mind, anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll be technical here in a second. You can you can sort of get the uh, the status of what the market thinks the move is going to be by looking at the straddle, which is the combination of the call and the put at that strike. And the, the straddle was about 750 so the expectation was for a $7.50 move. Uh, but I like to, but then you could also do week to week. And for some reason, I don't know, I can't figure this out, uh, but I trade because of it. Sometimes the, the time spread next week to this week at the same strike, the calendar spread, as people would call it, is, uh, you know, a, f- a fifth the price of the straddle, a fourth the price of the straddle. But when it gets more than one-tenth, less than one-tenth the price of the straddle, then I, I, I try and do the time spread. And then the, que- then the next question is try and pick the strike that it's going to end up with after the earnings because it's usually going to move. So yesterday, Kevin, the stock's trading 96 and a half. I'm somewhat bearish on the stock. So I picked the 92 strike. I'm thinking, all right, I, I'm, I'm essentially pricing in a 5% move to the downside. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm thinking that this, the thing is going to open up 110 and I'm going to look like a total buffoon. Sure enough, it blows through my lower strike, and now the thing's trading like 85. So I'm $7 too high instead of being too low. I'm sitting there going, okay, I was bearish, the stock's getting its ass kicked, and I probably got a loser. Isn't that swell? <laughs> Actually, it'll probably be about break even, but. Nicely done. Just yeah. another reason not to like Nike. Yeah, just another reason not to like Nike. I'm like, how, how could that be? I'm bearish and, uh, and I'm not winning here just because the thing's down even more. I, I don't know what they said on their call because after the numbers came out, I was sitting right at 92 and I'm figuring, yes, I got this all figured out. All of a sudden, an hour later, the thing's 85. I'm going, where did that come from? I, you know, a lot of these stacks, I mean, you look at these stacks, Kevin, they're, they're way back. You know, Nike before, before COVID, so we're, we're going to talk uh, March of what, 21? Um, it was it was it was 20. like a, March of twenty. Okay, that's right. It was it was a uh, hundred bucks. So now it's fifteen dollars below before COVID. A lot of these stacks are all going back to these pre-COVID levels or even lower. Well, well I, I, I do think you're starting to see some of the more expensive items are. Um, you know, where are people going to cut back? I mean, you know, if you can't deal with the uh, the price of anything today, you're going to start cutting back, and all of a sudden, you know, the um, the Skechers are going to be just fine instead of Nikes, and uh, or, or maybe uh, or maybe it's going to be the Salvation Army shoes are just fine instead of Nikes, you know. But wh- whatever it is, um, you know, I, I think those those are areas that you're seeing it with Apple too. Is uh, you know, do I really need a do I need a new iPhone this year? You know, the new models out. Do I need the new model? Um, I'm thinking there's a lot of people saying no. One of the dudes, and again, I've, I've never owned an Apple product. I had one Apple product, I hated it, so I never bought another one. Uh, one of the guys I do business with at one of the other firms that we manage money for, he's got the new Apple. He says the worst Apple phone he's ever had. He's ready to throw it out. He's nowhere near as good as the ones he's had before. It's like his fourth one. I don't know. It's one person. Yeah, that's per- interesting because most, you know, it, it's it's almost um, 
for people who love their Apple products, it's almost a cult, and you must have, must have it in the pre-order. You know, whatever the new one is, it's, oh, yeah. it's got to, it, it, it's a got to have. Um, and um, yeah, I, I did not know that that's the reputation of the phone. Well, this is one. Uh, this is one guy. Pay, personally, don't pay a lot of attention to Apple. Well, it's it's one vote. So <laughs> got to sort of take it for what it is. It's one vote. But I mean, when you look at these prices dropping, and this, I don't know, Kevin. I feel like I feel like I, I was pr- predicting some of this stuff, and uh, this is this is almost the the. Well, let's hope it doesn't get to like two thousand levels, but this is almost like the late nineteen nineties, where you had a, a huge run up in the market, followed by essentially a run down to the old levels. And let's hope we stay at the old levels, only the lower. But the the tax ramifications of this. And of all the all the touts you see on TV, all the, all the touts you hear and you read about, why doesn't that one person mention the total uh, inequality in terms of how the capital gains are handled tax wise? I mean, there, there's going to be somebody who bought, you know, half a million dollars worth of Apple and lost, you know, twenty five grand yesterday that sells it and has to wait eight years to get that off his income tax. Yet if you made the money on the stuff. You got to pay capital gains tax like this year. It's, I mean, I mean, just for, just for people for for bleeps and grins, Apple was down like eight bucks yesterday, seven and a half or something. It was down eight at one time. There's 16 billion shares of Apple out there. So say it's down seven dollars. It's, what is it? It's 70 plus another 42, 100 and 112 billion dollars lost off people's balance sheets in one day. Out of people's broker, I mean, uh, you look up your brokerage account and you got that much less. That's real money, Kevin. And and, and it is, um, and as you like to say, that's a number. Yeah, I mean, Nike has got a billion six shares outstanding. They're down ten bucks. Well, that's, that's sixteen billion. Another sixteen billion. <laughs> There's another sixteen. I mean, it, it. Yeah, sixteen billion here or there starts to add up. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, the. Uh, and I, the, the stuff yesterday, I don't, know, I don't know if you were listening to me, I, my, I was going crazy with these people in London. How the hell, if you, if you, if you bought bonds, say even a 10-year bond, if you bought a bond at a zero interest rate or damn near zero, where did you think that thing was going to be marked when interest rates went back to 4 or 5%? 50, 50 cents on a buck? 60? I mean, what, did you not know that? <laughs> you, you, yes, if you bought the bond... And let's assume all these governments hang in there. That's my assumption. You're you're going to get paid the one percent interest or half a percent or whatever the hell it was, or maybe one and a half. I'm not even saying you went negative. You're going to get paid, and you're and you're going to get your money back in ten or thirty years or twenty years, whichever the band is. But doesn't anybody have a friggin' clue that in the meantime, where do things liable to trade? Maybe not, Kevin. Maybe maybe not. I mean, I, I went through that when I first got Very into business. Possibly not. But but how do you how does somebody? I mean I gotta believe anybody who listens to this show knows this. When, when you when you go buy a bond, the bond is say denominated a thousand bucks, and we buy bonds for people and sell bonds. But more we buy bonds from people more now because people are getting into some stuff. Uh, you you never ever pay even even if you get it from the government, <laughs> you probably don't pay exactly a, a you know a thousand bucks because if you if, if they price the thing. At, at market on a Wednesday, and in, in, in the auctions Friday, it's going to be off by a little, right? It's going to go off by nine 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 or one thousand and two or something, because the market rate is is virtually never the coupon rate. 
and a, and a bond is going to trade at the market rate, not the coupon rate. So if if the if the coupon rate is one and the market rate is five, what are you going to pay for that bond? Seventy? Not not a thousand. You're going to pay seven hundred for it, right? Because then I'll go Rain Man on you and say about a hundred dollars. Well, yeah, well, that's that would be a. Uh, well, like I said, in, in, in 1981, the eight and a half percent bond, which was the signature bond that was traded, was trading under seventy cents on the dollar. So that's how you make. So they're going to pay you on a thousand dollar bond. You know what's eight percent? You're going to eighty five hours a year, right? So the math is okay now, but now the interest rate's twelve percent. So I'm, and I'm getting eighty five hours a year. What's the bond worth? You do the math backwards, and you say. Looks like about six eighty to me, <laughs> and that and that's the price. I, you know, whatever. I just just go in there. And okay. I, I, hey, I have two business items for yes, you. Please. So, so the first the first one is: um, do, do we think we need to get Andrew to change his name to to Matt? Uh, that way, it's easier. It, just to make just for simplicity purposes, yeah. Well, we or, or should we just call the uh, the the job he's doing being a Matt? That, that yeah, he just he's, he's being a Matt. Got the, we got the two already, so we got to work on well, that. Well, remember the, the girl we had from uh, Loyola? She was Maddie, girl Maddie, M-A-D-D-A. Yeah, we had a Maddie, so yeah. 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 Um, so we had that. And that, that gets me to the second one, speaking of that. Uh, what do we, we hear from Eliani? Um, still living with her mother, I think. Uh, healing, but still in a cast. Okay, but, but Men- it's going well for her. Huh? Uh, mentally got herself back together, um, dealing with it, and... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the prognosis is for walking. I mean, we're talking several screws and a plate. I think pretty bad break. Yeah, she'll. She, you know, she's a tough one. She'll oh, yeah, be. She, uh, she'll be back on her feet at some point. But I think I, what I hear, she really misses doing the, the singing and the concert stuff. I, I think she really likes that. And, I, and Larry says she's really, really good. He, he saw her the night she got hurt. Uh, fortunately, he didn't see the. He said, I, "How did she get hurt? She, they had all left the stage, and everybody was packing up. Evidently, she came out." Uh, to say goodbye to some of the people in the front row or something, and there was some water or something, and they had a tarp down there, and she slipped on the tarp. It was after everybody wow. kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like her. Nice lady. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, anywho, but the, uh, yeah, she's doing fine. Uh, Jessica has moved to New York with a nice job. Remember yeah, girl I, Jessica? I remember you saying that, yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, good for her. Uh, what, what a, we what, watch them all grow up. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I tell you what, nobody has a smile like Jessica. Boy, she op- she she walks in the room and she flashes that smile, and it's like it's like the lights went on. I mean, it's like, I mean, really, really. Even my you know my brother who could be who could be somewhat grumpy. Her first day in here, he goes, "Where the hell did you find her?" She's talking with my you know my brother like to t- doesn't like to talk much, especially in the morning. All of a sudden, I hear about their bullshit. <laughs> he says, "Where did you get her? She's unbelievable." Like, yes, she is. Um, she came in what? She, well, she didn't place in the Miss Illinois. No, she she tried that last year. Uh, she didn't well, play. Bring her back. We'll get her back on on Miss Illinois. We, you know. Yeah, well, you know, we, I never. We, I never what we need to do is we need to go and and be part in the crowd and show for her. Well, it's so that you know maybe we can sway the judges. You know, the thing is all online. Maybe we can become judges. The thing's all online, and you and you got to pay it. You got to pay for it to watch all, watch these girls walking around in the swimsuit. Like, really? But they don't they don't get a TV spot anymore. It's, it's online. It's, you can buy the whole weekend. I, I, I'm like, you know, it's not cheap. I'm saying, no, I like it, Jessica, but I'm not going to watch this all weekend just to see you. 
anyway. Yeah, I don't think I could watch a pageant all weekend. Oh, God, no. And, uh, um, I think they're kind of weird that anyway. That would be difficult. Nah, but, but I can watch ball games all weekend. So Speaking I'll, of which, what is with our Cubs? They just... The, is, is Milwaukee going to buy them dinner tonight or what? Did they just put I, I don't know, but Milwaukee Milwaukee lost, so they're not oh, taking they, advantage of it. Um, although they do, you know, they, they lost to the Marlins yesterday, but they do have, uh, you know, the whole weekend with the Marlins. They ought to be able to come out with some wins. But, yeah, if the Phillies don't go to the playoffs, it's because they went 0-6 against the Cubs this year. Well, I mean, the, the Cubs are what? They're like, they're like 7 over 500 since the uh, All-Star break. Yeah, hey, I think there's, you know, things are looking up for the Cubs. What do you, what do you I, I, I could get my buddy Joe, he's one of our listeners, I, we got to get him to come on and just talk talk through Cubs prospects, because he kind of knows the system, and, uh, um, and, and uh, you know, I, I think there's, uh, there's, a, there's a, a good reason to be optimistic about the Cubs over the next couple of years. Well, here's, here's where we're going with this, is the, for those that, we've, we've talked about it, for those that don't know, there's the division winners, there's three divisions in, in each American and National, and there's going to be three division winners, and there's going to be three wild cards. There used to be two, and now there's three. Well, in the, in the National League, you've got the well, the Mets and the Braves are fighting it out. They're like a game apart for the top spot in the East. But whoever doesn't win is going to have 100 wins. So they're going to be they're going to be one of the wild card people, right behind. They will be in the playoffs, but they'll have to play an extra round. Right, and then now the Phillies are right behind them with 83 wins. Because they, they didn't win this weekend against the Cubs or this week against the Cubs. Now the next division, you got the Cardinals winning, the Brewers with 83 wins. And then the next division, you've got the Padres with 86. So let's assume the Padres are in unless they really fall apart. Uh, so the Padres and the Braves or Mets are definitely in. So the third wild card spot is between the Brewers and the Phillies. And the Phillies can't be happy losing three in a row to the Cubs. Because if they didn't, if they'd have won three in a row, they'd be three games up and they'd be in. So this weekend yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd be all but clinched at that. Yeah, point. they'd be all but clinched. And uh, I think the Brewers got a nice team, and uh, the Phillies. But you know, the Cubs are—they shut them out yesterday. I mean, they, I mean they, they've got the. What do you suppose the plane rides like for the White Sox out for the last series of the year against? San, is it the last series in San Diego? Mm, whatever it is, it's. It's. I'm sure it's a road trip that they don't feel um, is worth their their time and trouble. Yeah, and uh, well, because uh, San Diego's already in uh, the wild card, so they'll be kind of said that's not going to be great baseball. What, where would, if you were a Sax guy, where, where would you start? I mean, it's, it's hard to know because you really don't know the the composition of the locker room. Are there are there other factions? Are there people that are bad that you got to get rid of some people? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you you can't really build a team around a Brayo anymore. He's kind of old. Uh, but he's unique. had a great season, other yeah. than the fact that he hasn't hit, hit his usual uh, a number of home runs. But if you look at his his stats in general, there you know he's he's got really good numbers, and his OPS is well into the eight hundreds. Um, so you know it's he's not the world's most exciting player um, when he's not hitting home runs, but he's he's very solid. I don't I don't think he's the problem, other than we talked about this the other day. Is they have you know like four guys to fill two positions and unfortunately those are those two positions are designated hitter in first base um, and you know what they really need is they need uh, they need speed and they need defense they sort of come together you know, I think those are the two things and if I were going to rework the team there might be a few you know there's there might be a core that I want to keep but 
but I am willing to go find faster players and players who can play better defense because they, you know, that's where they fell down a lot. You know, it, it, to them, if they're not hitting home runs, they don't win because they have so many slow guys running the bases that everything is station to station, and it, you know, it takes an extra hit to score a run. And coming up with an extra hit during an inning is, you know, that the, the, the statistical probability of doing that is low. Well, the weird part is that usually slow guys are at least good base runners. They're not. They had well, how many games did they? Plus, they had the defensive replacement drop the foul ball, and the guy had a home run on the next pitch. Right, that cost him a game. Well, he was one of their fast guys. He yeah. was supposed to be, you know. And, and uh, but yeah, that that was kind of the uh, uh, the beginning of the end for them. That game. Well, I mean, I, I guess he dropped he, he dropped a, a foul fly ball, which which was the final out of the game, and the White Sox would have won. Yeah. Um, but instead, the, the guy, uh, what did he do? Hit a home run or something? Yeah, he don't run the next pitch. Yeah, whatever it was, he tied the game, and they lost in extra innings. But I, I don't, but they, they, you know, they lose because they don't execute. Um, so they're not a smart team. They're not, you know, they're not a fundamentally sound team. But they're also a very slow team, and you, you just, you know, you need guys who'll grab the extra base for you. What I don't, uh, they lost. Bill Murphy was telling me five hundred games they lost in just the, the field to injury. So the first thing you have to do is say, is this all a big fluke? Is it training staff? Is it just we have guys that are going to get hurt all the time? You know, just people that yeah. are... Well, my son follows them very closely, even though he lives in Phoenix, because he's a lifelong White Sox fan. And, um, you know, when I saw him last weekend, we were talking about the Sox. He, he thinks that the training staff, since Herm Schneider left, um, that the training sca- uh, staff has... Uh, it, it it may be coincidence, but it doesn't look like it. it. You know, it looks like there may be some issues with the training staff. Now, in addition to that, though, I would um, you know I, I I would say they aren't the only ones that lost a lot of games uh, to injuries. Yeah. And, and I think that's everybody. And, and so you know, for me, nobody. I haven't seen a study. I haven't even seen anybody thinking there should be a study, but. Since, since there's such a high number of people vaccinated, and we know that what they believed at the beginning about the spike proteins not staying in your body is not true, and that they're finding them, you know, like in Germany, they're finding spike proteins in some of their, uh, the cardiologists are reporting that they're, they're finding them in their uh, cardiology patients. Um, and uh, I am wondering if there is some element of, uh, of vaccines, uh, you know, some adverse thing in vaccines. Um, that is causing all these soft tissue issues. I, I don't know that, but I would really like to see somebody study it. Well, when you say that the defense, uh, obviously, you look at the numbers, the defense wasn't very good. But I'll be honest with you, Kevin, I, I don't watch them as much as I do the Cubs, but I, I watched a lot of them. And I, I didn't see enough people, other than maybe the shortstop before he got hurt, in the same position enough nights in a row to figure out whether they were good or not. I mean, it's almost like I... They, they had so many people starting in so many different places, I could sense that there were balls dropping that maybe shouldn't, but I mean, it's hard for me to put my finger on who's lousy. <laughs> Just generally kind of... Well, it, it, you know, it, it, look, there's, there's guys like, um, you know, you, you have uh, uh, Vaughn and, and Sheets, who are both basically first basemen, um, and they're both playing outfield, often playing outfield at the same time. It isn't that they were out there dropping balls uh, or, or anything like that. It's what they don't get to. Yeah. 
Well, I sense that with you know, a, and, and and the the cumulative effect of that over the course of the season is you wind up just giving you know you give teams extra outs, and if you give teams extra outs, they're going to beat you. Well, I know that in the Cubs World Series run, and I was I mean Joe Madden was a big a big one for every plays a bunch of different positions, right? And uh, or not a bunch, but a couple different positions, and, and I and I can sense that that if you if you have guys that can actually do that, uh, your your team's a stronger team. But I also know that people have, most people have like a best position. I mean, certainly, well, if you're not as good as a major leaguer, or the best major leaguer, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there is a guy that has two or three best positions, but not very many people. And it, it struck me how, I'll use the how damn lucky he was. Uh, he'd put, you know, somebody out in right field and take, you know, Haywood out, who's an elite right fielder, in the sixth inning, and guess what? There's never a ball out there for the next three innings. You know, and so it didn't matter if he put me out there. I mean, it wasn't maybe they'd be aiming for me, but that's that's another story. But the, you know, and then all of a sudden you can be the other side of the of the fence where you put a guy out there for one out, and all of a sudden the dudes get like three balls that maybe the the elite guy would have gotten. This guy's just not quite getting. So a lot a lot of that's kind of luck, I think. But uh, when you when you have to do it every night like the Sox, it's not luck. You know, you you know Vaughn and the other guy are not going to get as many balls as as you know. Maybe a, a guy who plays uh, came up as a right fielder is going to get right, right, and 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 them being in the outfield was not an occasional thing. It was yeah. every day, every day. Because well, I mean, really, Vaughn Vaughn carried him at the plate for a couple of week period. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and in, in both cases, they probably played that position better than anybody could have reasonably expected them to play it. They, it's it's not that they sucked. It's just that uh, that that you, you need to be better at that position. You need guys who were real outfielders. Yeah, and, uh, or or you know if you can get a guy like Chris Bryant who was just an extraordinary athlete and, and you know he, uh, Madden was able to plug him into all kinds of places um, and uh, and have it work. Uh, you know then yeah that that's great. But um, you know what though, Kevin, it's still another career that has. Yeah. Unfolded as expected, but uh, he's a, he's another left. guy though. If if you put him in right field for Hayward, he wasn't as good a right fielder. No, but he was he he was a re, he was as good as any real right fielder was. Yeah, he was you know he wasn't elite, but he was sense. okay. Yeah, I mean if you put him on the left, he was better than Schwarber, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. But uh, hey, the Irish are they playing this weekend? Or they got to buy. No, they have they have the week off, and then they play Brigham Young in Las Vegas. We're sending the religious schools out to Vegas. Oh God, that's isn't that, isn't that special? They're supposed to be halfway decent, though, right? Oh, I don't want to have to ask. We only got a minute. What do you make of this thing at Boise State? The guy, uh, the thing at Boise State. They, they 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 fired the offensive coordinator and like the coach. I mean, the amount of people getting fired after three or four games this year is bizarre. Well, the quarterback basically set up yours, and he's already in the protocol, and the and the guy's uh, transfer. And he's good. He said, I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm going somewhere. I got two. With the COVID, the dude's played, I'm going to say, like his third year. He's still got two years left. He's just screwed. I'll go somewhere else and play. I'm not playing here anymore. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think he can play this year, of course. But, no. Uh, but he can start practicing with the team. Yeah, so he'll be someplace, and maybe we should look at him. Is he that good? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen him play. Well, I don't know I, what to tell you. So, yeah, we, you know, maybe, you know, the, the Irish can look at him if they want. They they do have, you know, the uh, the hotshot quarterback coming in next year, and they, they have a freshman on their roster now who's pretty talented. 
so they you know they may or may not decide that it's worth taking a flyer on the guy you know, I, I you know I, I haven't seen Angeli play so I don't know and the guy coming in next year is uh, as you may recall is Lloyd Carr's grandson yeah Michigan can't be too happy with that very hot prospect well, the uh, yeah it's a bizarre world but is it seem is it just me or does it seem like an awful lot of coaches are already getting fired and the season's about a third over quarter well, over maybe it may be. Well, um, when they're paying these guys all these bonuses, have to, though. You have to look at it, but, they, you know, it, the, the question is what's going on. I, I think, you know, I think that a lot of, uh, a lot more administrators are, become they've become more aware of uh, how the coach is as a manager and leader. You know, that, uh, and so I, I, I can't say that this is what was behind Boise State. I'll go read about it and see what I can. I can learn about it, um, but in in a lot of these cases, it's not just that they're not doing well; it's that their players don't want to play for them. That they, you know, they're they're kind of in open revolt. And um, uh, and and in in the past, college coaches have always been able to be as heavy-handed as they want because the players haven't had enough flex uh, have had the flexibility to go elsewhere like they do now. Um, so now they can pack up and leave. But in the you know in, in the past they just had to put up with a lot of stuff that um, well they give the guy in Nebraska what fifteen never did the guy in Nebraska what give him fifteen million bucks to leave that's a lot uh, yeah they did yeah they they paid him a lot of money to leave he was you know he was the hot prospect but he only coached a year at like I, I forget where it was Central Florida maybe um, you know where where they they ran off an undefeated season but he pretty much did it with uh, what he inherited and. You know it, that that's become the other thing is that in, in the hiring process, a lot of these people they they fall in love with somebody as the you know this is the next big thing. The next big thing is a coach. In Frost's case, he was a Nebraska he's a Nebraska alumnus, so uh, the, you know they really did not want to see him go up elsewhere. But they pulled the trigger on him too soon. Kevin, take care of yourself. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures. We're only up ten now. Up is good after yesterday, but. We were up way more net. that. NASDAQ Futures up 27. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 
20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. Mr. Andrew on the board. So you're going to change your name? To, your studio name is going to be Matt from now on just so I never get screwed up? All right. Good to know. It's helpful, though. It's helpful. No, you know, you're you're enough different. You have your own strengths and weaknesses. I can talk to you about animation and stuff over there. So I can't do that with Matt Weber, so I think you, why don't you stay Andrew? We'll just we'll do that for a while. All right, good. I like the sound of that. <laughs> you, you, actually, you know, Carl, this is crazy. It's one of the... At Marist uh, High School, we had his brother. I don't know, he was a little, little, little weird, but uh, one of the guys in the class was named Mike. And I went to grammar school with him. He was a friend of mine. He played basketball all the time with the guy. Well, somehow or another, the, the brother kept calling him Billy. And he'd go, my name's Mike. Okay, Billy. <laughs> and sure enough, I haven't seen the guy for 10 years, but if I saw him today, I'd say, hey, Billy. <laughs> the guy's name totally changed over. He was Billy forever after that. I don't think anybody ever, ever called him Mike. Because <laughs> his one goofy brother in sophomore year, oh Billy, Billy, <laughs> he thought he, he thought he looked like a Billy. <laughs> he he became a Billy, I guess. <laughs> I, whatever. Um, well, you know, it sounds like a scene out of Caddyshack, if you remember that. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I, I've been listening the first hour, and uh, you know, when the when the show started, uh, and not too long before the show started, uh you know, gee, there seemed to be about uh, 60 handles of positive movement on the S&P futures. Yeah. Where did it all go? I don't know. I think right now, any any, it's uh, it's more of a sell of sell of sell of rallies than it is by the by the. Matter of fact, so well, it, you know, it's it's actually kind of interesting because we're finally seeing what I've you know what I've talked about for more than 10 years, which is that. You can start a dumpster fire with $100 bills in a declining rate environment and show good quarterly numbers. I mean, it, that sounds insane, but it's true. Like, it yeah. just is. I mean, it doesn't mean every company did that, but it does mean that you can do that and show allegedly good results. And in every case, though, any company that takes on debt in an environment like that uh, gets gets quite a lift to their bottom line because nobody ever pays off debt. We you know we've known that for you know forever, right?
right? I mean, the federal government never does it. The states never do it. The, the, the corporations never do it. And, and the reason that they don't do it is because it makes, you know, if, I, if I've got a coupon that says I have to give out $100,000 to maintain my debt in the, you know, in the market on an annual basis, and I can refinance it and give out $50,000 instead of $100,000, well, why, why, why would I pay that bond off? Okay, that's that's crazy land. All right, I mean you you know, but this entire premise and and it being crazy land is predicated on the concept that this will never change. And you know what? That's stupid. Oh yeah, that that, that has always been stupid. It, it there's never been any logic behind any of it, and yet every single person on Tout TV. And and essentially all the commentators that write on Bloomberg and you know and every Wall Street Journal, every Wall Street, they never bring this up. They never say, you know, over the last forty, it's it's, it's the Pavlov's dog thing. Okay, you know, you you ring the bell and the steak appears. And the dog eats the steak. After a little while, you know, I, I got a couple of cats. Same thing. There's a there's a little bag of treats that's in my pantry. All I have to do is pick that bag up, and both the cats are at my feet in ten seconds, meowing. Oh yeah. Uh, and it, and it, it, I don't. I don't even have to actually open the bag. All I have to do is move it, and they know that sound. They know what's inside that bag. They know what that sound is, and instantaneously they're there. And we, that's what we've done to essentially everybody in worldwide. It's not just in the United States. You, do you know? You know this thing with the pound the other day. Oh yeah, well I was trying. I was hoping <clears throat> they had. Well, I know it was going to have you on today, but I was hoping to ask you about that. I, I, I was stunned by the fact that they they said in some of their their pension funds they had margin calls because of. The, now I, I get the part. I just want to throw it with Kevin, and I think a lot of people maybe should at least follow my math there a little bit and how these bonds, even though you're allegedly going to get paid, the thing can trade at a way b- different price than you bought it. I can't believe that a pension fund has margin. Oh, it's uh, oh no 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 no. You you only got part of it. Okay. Okay. I did some digging around as to what was going on. There. That's why I was looking to talk to you. Yeah. So, well, because when you see that kind of a move in currencies, that that just doesn't happen. Okay. So, but it did. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to go look at why. Um, do you know that BlackRock actually blackmailed the Bank of England? I think some of those firms like BlackRock are in a world of hurt, but I don't, I don't know. Well, that. well, they, they, and this was reported in the mainstream media, so I, I will take this as being true. They told the Bank of England that either they intervened right, into an inflationary environment. I think, think about the craziness of this. If they did not, they were withdrawing from the bond market over there. Really? That's blackmail. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you did something like that in the United States, you'd go to prison. Well, I, you probably remember uh, one of the most, well, you don't remember the conversation you went there, one of the most bizarre conversations I ever had was whatever year it was, I was still on the board, so it had to be 98. I went to a uh, long, I went, well, I went to a World Series game with all these, you know, muckety mucks, all these firms in New York. In a well, a skybox at Old Yankee Stadium it wasn't a skybox; it was behind the grandstand. But still, you, you were together in a room with a lot of good food and booze. 
And uh, that weekend, or the weekend before, there was the long-term capital situation with the Russian debt and stuff. Right. It's, it's fuzzy to me, but there was an expiration Friday, and there wasn't an expiration like three days a week now. It was once a month. Uh, and, and it was an expiration Friday in the OEX pit, which was, which was the pit. Okay. There was 350 people in there, and that's not the issue, but that pit did more business than any other stock exchange in the world except for New York Stock Exchange. It was more than the rest of the SIBO combined, more than the Amex, more than any of other places. It was in that pit. Um, God, it was, I, what I'd give for one more day in there, Carl, it was, it was, it was, it was so much fun. You, talk about a challenge. I mean, you, every day you couldn't wait to meet, meet the enemy. <laughs> you know, it was one of those, right. yeah, uh, Maybe it was just my goofy personality, but I loved it. I just loved it. And uh, the busier it got, the more I loved it. Anyway, but the... Uh, all of a sudden, there was a, on a Friday morning, market was way down because of the long-term capital thing, and the Fed came out and lowered the discount rate like at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning of expiration. Ouch. Yeah, there's some, some bizarre thing that they, like, never even think about doing. And, right. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, we turned around and ripped to the upside, and two or three of my best friends never traded again. Because they were they were short calls that were you know they, they yeah, got reamed yeah absolutely reamed. So a week later, I'm out in New York and I'm sitting there, and one of the guys from one of the big firms, Bear Stearns or somebody, he goes, "Yeah, I was looking to talk to you. You're like a you know big OEX trader." I said, no, "I'm not a big OEX trader. <laughs> the, the big OEX traders are doing thousand lots. I'm doing my twenties, but I mean, I was an active trader." And uh, and he says, um, "Were there any people kind of hurt?" And I go, "I'm like, well, why do you ask?" And he goes, "Well." A buddy of mine at the Fed knew I was meeting with you guys tonight, and he called me and asked me how bad was the carnage. And I said, well, i got two or three friends that probably will never trade again. Yeah, it was, it was bad. And evidently, the, they, they, whoever was losing all the dough, I don't know if it was long-term or whoever it was, it was like the scene in Casablanca where the guy rigged the, 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 the crap table so the, the, the girl could get on a plane with her husband. Yeah. You know, he goes, wow, they, they, they did it, and they told these guys they were going to do it, and all of a sudden, instead of having this big hole they had to fix, the market kind of fixed it for them on, on the backs of my friends. You know, so ever since that day, Carl, when people wonder where my cynicism comes from, I think it comes from that meeting. So I don't well, trust yeah, these people it, at all. But, you know, I mean, this is... It, it, the, the thing about it, though, is that if you remember from 2008, when, you know, when, when all this crazy stuff was going on during that time, you know, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd rip to the upside by 3 4%, to the, the next day we're down the same, you know, yeah. same 3%, right? The, the volatility, unless you are trading very actively, essentially a day trader, and you're, and you're getting it right, uh, the, the volatility ruins you if you try to get in front of it. And, and I don't care if you're right or you're wrong, you still get ruined because the whipsaws are, you know, I mean, eventually you will make a mistake, and when you do, you're going to take them in the back, right? And and that's just the way it is. I mean, nobody bats a thousand, so uh, you know that sort of thing doesn't help anybody. But we we have had decades of of a pattern that could not continue, and we have built literally an entire political, banking, and economic system, not just in the United States but all the Western world, around it. And we have set people's expectations on that basis. And so, you know, I mean, you, 
you just look at some of the data that's actually that, that is is out there publicly. For example, housing. Yeah. Houses are less affordable in terms of income coverage in America than they have ever been in history. It's way worse than 2007. Way worse. It's yeah. It's it is it is worse now today right now than it has ever been in the history of the country. Okay. I, all I mean, you know, even including post Civil War when half the South was burned to ash, and so that's you know that's the world that we live in today, and yet. You had everybody and their brother for the last couple of years running around saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, you know, it might level off, but it's not going to come down." There's, you know, you, you're going to be fine if you buy. You know, it's everything's all right. Da 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 da. Well, it was a load of garbage. It has always been a load of garbage, and and yet this is. You, you take a look at the at the leadership that we have in this country right now. You, you see this bizarre thing that that happened with Biden. He's, he he looks around and tries to shake the hand of a of a woman who is deceased. Yeah, I, and, I've heard and, about that. And who, by the way, he ordered flag float at half mast because because you know her death was a terribly untimely, horrible accident, right? Yeah, the lady's in Indiana in a car crash. Yeah, she's she's killed in a car crash a couple months ago, and and in fact. You know, and he recognizes. I mean, you know, this wasn't anybody's fault. It wasn't anybody, you know, anybody that, that you know had it coming. It just did bad things. Sometimes happen to good people. Okay, fine. But but there's literally nothing up there between the ears. Well, uh, funny you should mention that. On the way in, I picked my buddy Andrew up at the Fortnell stop because I don't want him slinking across the loop in the dark in the morning. Uh, the way uh, things yeah. are. Uh, so. I was talking to him on the way in about we we continue to we, somehow or another we have this national thing now that anybody can be anybody you know anybody I could be president well no 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 I can't <laughs> I mean uh, you know it, in some areas on my best day I could be a pretty good economic advisor to a president but I, right. if you if you name me the, the the names of ten dictators in Africa I wouldn't know one of them I don't know anything about that. You don't want somebody like me. I mean, I try and learn as fast as I could, but you know, it just we we we, ha- we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. But it seems to me that the level of people. One of the things that I is I uh, reading more and more about World War II, and one of these days I got to drop down the revolutionary work because I think that might actually be more fascinating uh, in some ways. Uh, you know, George Washington, what he had raised the money to buy the soldiers <laughs> and the strategy. It, I mean, the, the the dude was like he had five jobs. I mean, and the the background that some of these people. I mean, look look at the background that uh, George Marshall had. Bill Stevenson, Bill Dunneman. I was just reading something about yesterday. The head of LSS, even Roosevelt. Uh, I mean, even Eisenhower. How how many places he had been and what he had done and all these colleges. He, the, the backgrounds of these people. There's nobody we have there now that can can hold a candle to any of these people intellectually and experience wise. Or am I, yeah, am I? And, you know, and the thing is, though, is that when you when you look at some of the stuff that's going on, you know, on, our, on the global stage of late, you know, just we just grab something that was in the news, and, and yet everybody is trying to point fingers, and that's this thing with Nord One and Nord Two being blown up, yeah. apparently. Okay, so obviously it was was undersea explosions. There was seismic events registered by 
you know, monitoring equipment that's there because there's earthquakes that sometimes happen. And, and the signature of an earthquake and the signature of somebody setting off an undersea explosion is rather different. So it's, you know, it's, it's the same thing happens if, if somebody sets off a nuclear detonation anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, the seismic monitors that are there for earthquake monitoring can detect that that was in fact a nuclear blast because there's a double peak that comes from nuclear explosions. It doesn't come from conventional chemical ones. So that's, you know, that's, that's just one of the kind of, you know, little wonky things that comes from this. Okay. Immediately, the media and everybody else says, Russia blew it up. Well, Russia did not have any motive to blow it up. Because now, Russia has to pay transit fees because all the remaining pipes that come from Russia's gas that go anywhere else now go through some country that expects to be paid for its services. Not, I mean, nobody works for free, right? Right. So all of a sudden, now Russia has to pay. So, and so people are trying to tell the world that Russia deliberately screwed itself. Well, let me I, ask you... Let me ask you this: uh, the, the Calypso is at anchor somewhere, getting rusty. Who the hell has the ability to blow up a pipeline three hundred feet other, underwater? How many well, people? Well, now hold on, that's not very deep. Okay, well, I, I, it is for me. <laughs> well, it is for you too. Because a pipeline is is made out of steel, and there's a lot of metal, and it's, it's very easy to find from magnetic anomalies as a result because the ground is not metal. Okay. Okay. Well, my question is. I can't do it. How far up the chain do you have to be to find somebody? So you're saying it wouldn't necessarily take a government, but still it takes somebody you and oh, I can't I could, do oh, it. Oh, I personally could do it, Chief. Really? You got a big yeah, enough yacht? Because, I, because I, have a, I have a home-built rebreather here. I used to, I've used it in anger. Now 300 feet is, is you know beyond where I have used it in anger, but it's not beyond its capability, and it's not beyond any decent commercially available one's capability in the civilian world. We're not talking about things that the military has, which is, you know, we're just beyond that. Um, getting a charge big enough, a shape charge big enough to put a hole in a, in a pipe of that construction. I, I took a look at what it's made out of. It's about a, a, an inch and a half thick steel um, it, encased in a, in a concrete resin. All right. Um, a shape charge would easily penetrate that. Now, the, the allegation is that the explosions were quite large. And I haven't seen the seismic data, and nobody has gone down there with an ROV. 300 feet is not deep at all. Nobody has gone down there yet with an ROV and taken some pictures, which would uh, rather conclusively tell us how big of a bang that really was, right? Um, but nobody's done that. Isn't that funny? I mean, you know, this is 300 feet of water is not much. These days, you could buy commercial remote-operated vehicles, roads, that will go down in the water and, and take photographs 300 feet. I think 300 feet's nothing. Now, if it was in 3,000 feet of water, that's a different story, but it's not. It's in 300 feet of water. How did they? So, how big of a deal was it to build that pipeline? Is, is it just like is it a sandy bottom? You just put the thing down there and it's okay? Or, it, or was it a huge Well, it's, in, it's encased in, in concrete, and the idea being you, you, know, you want the corrosion resistance, so you have those... Fixing it is a, is an entirely different game. That's not going to happen in a week or a month or anything like that. And, and on top of that, you have corrosion damage that's going to happen because now there's salt water's gotten into the pipe. Uh, it, and and supposedly 
there's there's rumors that there are multiple leaks and that there were more explosions. Uh, and so, you know, but I look at motive, motive, method, opportunity. Okay, all three have to be there. Russia has no motive. Ukraine has plenty of motive because they're getting paid for, you know, for the transit of gas that goes through the pipe, the mall and the other pipes that go through their territory. However, I'm not sure that they had the ability to get something there without being detected because they don't border the waterways where it was, okay? So maybe they don't have the opportunity. Um, but there are people who do. We do. Britain does. Uh, Poland potentially does. And Poland has a direct financial interest with them all because there's transit fee issue there. Uh, so there are multiple nation states. Never mind well, places not, like Greenpeace that would probably right, love to you, do this you because they hate gas and you know it's, it's not green enough and da 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 da. Um, so I don't I don't know who did it, but we also have Joe Biden who said just before the Russian invasion occurred that if they invaded, he would make sure Norden Two never operated. So he threatened to blow it up, and he did that in public. That's a, that's there's a news clip out there on that a video. What the? Just that I mean I I don't have the maps in front of me, but it's, it would seem to me that uh, this isn't like an electrical grid. If you blow that one up, it doesn't mean that the one coming through Ukraine can get to the same get gas to the same places that this thing's getting gas to. Or, or, or am I wrong? Well, there's it's. It's sort of like an electrical grid in a way, and that there's a mesh of you know there's there's a bunch of pipes that go all over the place, right? One of the remaining ones that still functions uh, goes through Turkey and through their territory. Um, some of it is under sea. In fact, a lot of it is that that particular pipe is under sea. Uh, so this is not a complete cutoff, okay? But Nord Two was, you know, was completed just before this stuff started, and then Germany decided, well, you know, we're not going to, even though it has passed all of its technical certification, we're not going to turn it on. But there was no reason they couldn't, and it was it was pressurized sitting on the bottom of the sea with gas in it to maintain pressure so that you don't have, you know, infiltration of things into it from either end or whatever have you. So there was nothing preventing them and, and that particular pipeline has compressors and was, I mean, you, you could open the valves and turn on and it would work. Uh, not anymore. So both, so so both of them are plastic? mesh of these things, but the remaining paths, uh, the majority of them either go through Ukraine and, well, in some way, they, they almost all go through Ukraine at this point, which means that now you have this crazy situation where two countries at war, one of them is seeing the other to move material to a third party that they're not consuming themselves, and yet, uh, you know, Russia's paying Ukraine transit fees in order to sell gas to, to Europe. <laughs> and, and by the way, the two are trying to kill each other. I, there's, there's just something stupid and crazy about that. Uh, that kind of stuff is going on all over the place. In, in economics I, I know, and but, everything. You know, I look at this kind of thing and I'm like, what sort of insanity is, you know, what's going on here. And, and oh, by the way, what kind of leverage has been, has been put together here? You would have thought that every single country in Europe 
understood that this is a strategic piece of, of infrastructure and would have had naval and other military assets, never mind satellites and everything else, watching that area like a hawk. I, I think the more I, I uh, as, as people you know attack various politicians and rightfully so, I, in terms of performance, I'm just getting this, this really odd feeling because I, I talk to people and, uh, you know, for instance, last night I, I met with some people that uh, are from the Fed, and and they claim that uh, this Jerome Powell is one of the nicest, brightest guys you'll ever meet, and actually care, actually gives a bleep. Now they don't say the same thing about Yellen, not at all, and uh, and I've had people here in Chicago as as uh, uh, you know as recently as the other night say that when they worked with. You know, Lori Lightfoot as a prosecutor, she was sane. She was good at her job. She was very law and order. I I just think people are, are somehow, Carl, we're, we're we're letting people rise to the level. It's like Murphy's Law or something. They're rising to the level of their that they just they just don't belong there. And I think oh, you they, mean the Pareto principle. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think they hire people around them for other reasons than competence. Whether whether it's you know it's woke if it's this if it's that or if you want all all bunch of old white guys I mean you, you don't you don't just go get the best people I mean the uh, one of the guys one of the you know actually his death really harmed a lot of people in Chicago is uh, Jim Tyree I don't know if you remember that name from Mesro Jimmy was one of the nicest yeah. men that ever walked he basically put my high school back on the map um, he's he was on the board of this place and that place I mean he. But he was a guy that had, Mesro had three or four of the, probably the strongest personality dudes working for him, that if he wasn't there, could never get in a room without a fist fight. But yet with Jimmy there, it was okay. <laughs> he had that personality to have people around him that were that talented and maybe a little wacky, and he could control the bus. And there, and there aren't very, very many people like that. I mean, at, at any level, I don't think that can have competent people around him and not be intimidated and whatever it is. But you see these people, every law they come out with, every every executive order, everything the mayor does, it's like, did she read it first? I mean, what's going on here? Are they, are they, I, I think it's not bad people. It's just they're not prepared for the job or something. I mean, I, Well, I think there's a lot of corruption that goes on there, well, that too. too. I mean, you that know, too. you look at it, I mean, we just got another example of it. We, we just had a nasty hurricane that came into, you know, into, into the southern part of Florida, right? Everybody is screaming how oh, it's the worst thing ever. And, you know, global warming has caused all the this and that. Does, does anybody remember that Charlie, not all that long ago, when I, when I lived in Florida, by the way, uh, that Charlie hit essentially in exactly the same place? Now, let me point a couple of things out about that. In Punta Gorda, Hey, can, can, you, Carl, can you can you wait a little, can you wait a little for the uh, the break? Uh, you you bet. Some news just hit yeah. because I just saw a oh. huge spike in the futures. Course, core PCEs are uh, uh, must have come in. We'll talk about that. SP futures now down five. Nasdaq futures down forty five. Big move. We'll be right back.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Andrew on the board. SP Futures now down five. Nasdaq Futures down twenty-eight. I think this has to do. We'll get more of this from Carl in a second, but it has to do with the uh, PCE price index. Uh, Month over month came in at 0.6 percent, supposed to be 0.5, so uh, a little little hotter than expected, um, which we you know have seen. The uh, uh, oh, Putin has just declared that there's four new regions of Russia, the four areas of Ukraine. He just annexed. Uh, uh, the the fun keeps fun fun keeps going. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the uh, uh, Nikkei down 484, 1.8 percent. Shanghai down 16.5. Hang Seng up 56.3, but they're still way down, 17,222. Uh, yesterday is a way of review from a lousy day. That was down 458, S&P down 78, NASDAQ down 314. Over in Europe, uh, the DAX is up 37.3%, FTSE 
only up two now. Call that flat. CAC around up 11.2%, so they're they're leaking over there as well. Uh, bonds down three basis points, 10-year 3.72. The bond down 10 basis points, 2.10. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil uh, down 80 cents, 80.43, but still above 80. Uh, Brent up down 13 cents, 88.36. Natural gas up 13 cents, right at $7 even. Our Bob down 5 cents, 245. We've got gold uh, up 550, 16.74. Just trying to bounce a little bit here the last couple days. Silver up 23 cents, 18.95. Copper unchanged, 341. We've got Bitcoin down 108 to 19,301. And the big game this week has been these uh, currencies. The euro euro is down, uh, well, 50 basis points to 0.97 to the dollar. The pound is down to 110 after being 104 on Tuesday morning. So. It's bounced back quite a bit this week, but still nowhere near the traditional like buck thirty, buck thirty-five number. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. All right, it is seven thirty-five here in Chicago, and it's the last day of September, Friday the thirtieth. Uh, for sports, last night in MLB, the Cubs won against the Phillies in a two-to-zero game, and the White Sox also came out on top against the Twins four-to-three. Now today we can look forward to the Cubs playing the Reds at one twenty p.m., the White Sox playing the Padres at four eighty p.m. And finally, the Diamondbacks playing against the Giants at 9.15 p.m. Now for Chicago weather, we got clear and chilly skies at 46 degrees with high of 67 and a low of 45. And over in Phoenix, we have clear skies at 75 degrees with a high of 98 and a low of 75. Now for Chicago traffic, the only big thing you got to worry about right now is that the exit ramp connecting the eastbound Dan Ryan to the outbound Stevenson is indefinitely closed due to a bushfire bush causing structural damage. There will be delays around there. You won't be able to exit there. Uh, but thankfully, there are no new major accidents to report. However, traffic is heavy, as it always is, on the inbound Stevenson, both sides of the Eisenhower, and both sides of the Jane Adams. That's all I got right now. Back to you, Chief. How am I going to go out to Orland? I always use that exit. It's going to be a different exit this time. <laughs> a different exit this time. Um, Carl, is it the PCE number that's shocking us here, or is it just a combination of all this stuff? Can't wait. Ah, you got me on. I just heard yeah. it quick. Um, so, yeah, it is, but I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the the long form of this release, which you have to dig into the, the BEA's site a little bit to get. There's some really interesting data in the middle of this thing. Uh, but, yes, the the game that you saw, uh, essentially what you had was core inflation was hotter than expected, running over 5%. And the food inflation is especially nasty. Uh, because, of course, you know, even though the Fed likes to ignore that one, uh, tell me who doesn't have to buy food, right? <laughs> well, right. <laughs> so uh, I don't know about how volatile that is. That all seems to be a one-way train right now. Uh, energy, on the other hand, you know, bounces around all the time. We all know that. And, uh, we've certainly seen that at the gas pump. Um, but it, it, here's, here's the fascinating thing of this. You dig into this release, personal interest income. Okay, so this is, this is income and, and uh, spending, right? So the, the, that's, this report has both in there. It's, it's kind of the balance of payments thing, if you will. For people, personal interest income is up since January about 3%. Well, think about what has actually happened in interest rates. They're, they're what, 300% higher? Uh, not if you have your money in a bank. 
Well, obviously. So the schlub on the street has gotten essentially nothing out of this right. this rate increase paradigm. Nothing. Well, we're we're just to let you know what we're doing. We're we're going to the auction every Monday for our people. Well, tell me, okay, so here's, and this this fascinates me because we're, if people had any brains in their head, the banks would either have to cut this out or they'd end up broke, literally broke, because any, any schlub, I don't care who you are, you can go on Treasury Direct and, and you can buy four, you know, four, uh, you know, the, the three month bills. The thirteen-week bills, you, you can buy those all day long. You can be part of it every every week. There's another, you know, or two weeks. There's another auction for those. You want to go further out, you can, but you don't have to. And you can get better than a CD, and yet your money is tied up for, you know, three months. Uh, we've been doing the six months, and we've been getting like three nine something. Right, but that's yeah. the, that's the point. Is I mean, you can go out further if you want to, but you, but you can buy thirteen-week bills. Through Treasury Direct. Now you don't. You're not part of the competitive bid, so you you get whatever the rate ends up being if you do it through there. Um, it, it, up to ten grand, you can also buy I bonds, which right. right now have a ridiculously good coupon. I mean, they're they're yielding about nine percent, and and by the way, the interest on that is tax deferred, which is even better. Um, but even in a taxable account. You, you could buy as much of those as you want, and you could do it directly. It's linked directly back to your bank account, so in and out is easy. Um, I, I, why anybody would park cash in a bank at, uh, you know, at, at essentially zero. Um, I, <laughs> you want to talk about where it's, we it's, should be having a liquidity crisis right now? It should be in the banks, we, because there should be a run on them tomorrow with everybody sticking their money in TD and, and buying the, the, the four-week bill, you know, the uh, three-month bills. Um, I would say they should be at PTI, not TD. Well, okay, that'll work too, but, you know. <laughs> well, no, the beauty of it is, being, the beauty of it is, Carl, if we, you know, if, you know, I've got some pretty big clients, so, you know, we did, I think we did a million-dollar deal on a, a week ago. Uh, the beauty of it is, if you put your money in there, okay, in the, in the, in the T bill for 26 weeks, and all of a sudden the market absolutely craps out next week, we can sell the T bill right in a minute for you, to or it's it's like what 90 percent marginable, right? You can still buy your stock if you want because as long as it's in your account, the T bill, it, it doesn't bother, it doesn't uh, hassle your investing if you do see a day where you want to buy this market. We can commit the money there and sell the T bill, and it won't cost you anything because you got a week of interest in the thing, right? So right, I mean, it's, it, that's uh, now you know people that are, are you know dealing with uh, the quote unquote commodity brokerages, you know the Schwabs of the world, yeah, um, or Fidos. It's a little tougher there, right? Right. But yeah, with, with with a place like you guys, yeah, easily. And and the thing is, you know, but I, I'm talking about the average right. guy that he, he doesn't have enough floating around that he's probably of interest to you folks. But but there's no reason for even the the average Joe who has you know five grand sitting in a in a bank account somewhere. Why is it, it, it at what you know half a percent interest? Are you crazy? Yeah, probably if you, and maybe you're even paying ATM fees, so you're negative. I mean, like, 
Yeah, I mean, your, your total return is, is, well, your total return is absolutely negative, and, and guess what? Uh, welcome to the, you know, the real world that we live in today. It's been that way for quite a long time. I just don't understand why people put up with this sort of thing. I, I really don't. I don't. I don't. Carl, there are people that have 15 grand in a bank or 20 grand in a bank and and, and have a uh, they're, they're late on their, their credit card or something or they're paying interest yeah. on their credit card in, in in total the bank owes them 20 grand yet they're paying interest <laughs> it's like you, you couldn't write fiction like this I mean I you know I, I that's yeah I don't I don't get that all right I mean you know people go out there they do that kind of thing it's like uh, you have you have a four thousand dollar balance on your credit card. You're paying interest on it because you can't you know you can't pay it off. But the, but there's fifty grand sitting in the bank. What kind of crazy is that? Yeah, it's. it's but I you know I I uh, as you know I'm, I'm 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 kind of on this inflation thing because this this was my shtick. I mean I, I learned it in college. I learned it in grad school, and then I lived it at Pullman. And I and I, I keep aware of it. I mean I, this is one area of expertise that I think I'm, let's put this. I don't know if it's expertise, but it's at least historical knowledge and I, I don't I don't understand how come everybody I listen to it's not like I'm the smartest person around but I mean there there's stuff in your business that you knew that you hear people talking about all the time and you go that guy what is he what is he talking about <laughs> you, you, you can't build a software system that way <laughs> who is this idiot I mean I I look at this right now and, and first we went from it was totally different this time you know even though we were pouring money into the economy really since 2000 which was seriously since 2008 and we hide this inflation we either, we either hide it or it's it's such a a lagging indicator the way they gather up the stuff Carl and I don't know if it's intentional not intentional whatever I've, I've given up sort of trying to you know to, to figure that out but the, the one thing I learned from last time it's a very delaying sort of thing so we did we never, never counted it never counted it Tran- then it was transitory then it was some it's just like 1970-something, where I was listening one morning. I forget who the guy was, and they got one of these guys on radio. I'm heading down to take my mom to breakfast, and the guy's, he was a former Federal Reserve guy during, like, the 70s. And he said, well, you know, um, even though we had put money in the system, is what the, this is exactly what the guy said. I remember it like it was yesterday. Because even though we had been putting money in the system, we started to see these this inflation. And we said, well, it, it can't be. Well, first of all, it's the uh, Arabs. It's it's the, the oil. So then we took oil out of the out of the equation, and then we said, "Well, wait a minute. Since everything you deliver your cornflakes, a the corn is dried by oil, maybe or gas. And by the way, the tractor runs on gas, and uh, the, the truck to get it here runs on gas. We better oil is such a part of the food distribution system. We better pull food out too." He goes, "Finally, we're pulling all this stuff out." And one day, we all got in a Fed meeting, looked at each other, and said, "You know what? We got inflation. We can't hide it anymore." It, it's not like this never happened before, Carl. I mean, right. So this, oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm watching this thing build up, build up, build up. But I'll tell you what, it, what is different this time is they, it was so gradual. You know, we had a, I've got a piece of paper somewhere. From 2008 to 2020, we, were, we averaged 8% money supply growth a year. Maybe, maybe yeah. six, six, six and a half. And, and, the, and the growth is two. So anybody. Right. So, so you're, you're embedding that inflation. Yeah. And then you're trying to hide it somewhere. You're trying to hide it. And unfortunately, and you brought this up, I mean, I would never have known unless you, a lot of it went in places that are, are not harmful to you unless unless it is. It, it went into well, the medical. Well, trade sequestration is one of those things that looks free and it's not. 
Well, I mean, a lot of it went in a, in a, in a hospitalization in a medical community, and a lot right. of people don't pay for that directly. It's not like gasoline where it's staring you in the face. But, it, but a lot of it went there. A lot of it went into higher education well, and, and primary education, which is indirect through your taxes, and if your kid wasn't going to school, he probably didn't give a crap. So it, it, it was sort of, it was always there growing, but kind of underneath the rock, I mean, for lack of a better term. So now all of a sudden this COVID shows up, and they pump 35 to 40% money into the system in, in what, 18, 24 months? Yeah. Which is never, the only, the only U.S. government that ever did that was the Confederacy. And look what, and look what happened to them, right? I mean, yeah. And, and so, but now, in the last, I've got it right up here, even though they've, they've decided, they took the unusual thing of not giving us the numbers anymore. But right now, our money supply is, is I'm not saying significantly, but it's lower than it was in March. So right now, we don't have, and nobody can, I don't know how you, you can even explain it on TV to people who have been hearing all these other stories. We don't have an inflation problem right now, right this minute. What we have is the stuff is still working its way through the system, and we have a price level problem. We have, we have a right, we have, we, except here's, here's the thing, though, Chief. People think that if you stop the inflationary impulse, that that actually resolves the issue. It no, it, oh, no, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is it's not like the last time. Right now we no, have... And, no, it, it's, but now the collapse in that price level has to be driven through the system, and that's going to both take okay, time uh, and it's going to Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's one of... If you and I were, were going to do this, if we were the two heads at the... That's the decision we would have to make. We have we have we have a price level now that is uncomfortable for ninety percent of the population. Right. It's a it's a big problem. But we also know, I mean, I think we know the two of us. Right now, we're going to say, you know, you know, it's it's akin to uh, Carl as if all of a sudden the city slapped a thousand dollar fee to park your car in front of your house one time, but then the next year it's still a thousand bucks. There's no inflation there, but we still can't afford it. You know, it, it's it's a different world than last time. So now these people are talking about we need another Volcker. We got to keep raising rate. I don't I don't know that, that that's not going to do more damage than before. I, mean, I honestly don't. I I right now I'm of the opinion, and boy Russell agrees with me. That doesn't make it right. We should get to a 3.5 percent number and a half a percent, one percent money supply growth for five years, and just let it play out. I think if you attack the price level. You're going to screw people even worse doing that than you did on the way up. No, I no, I, I disagree you, okay. with you, and, I, and uh, you could be right. I mean, I, like I said, well, I, I disagree with you, and I'll explain why. Yeah, you need to break the Pavlovian reaction because if you don't, then this problem is never going to get fixed, and Congress is never going to stop what they did to cause this with the COVID reactions. All right, and and. The reality is, is they thought they got away with this and it had no cost after they did the same sort of thing in 2008. And that, you know, <laughs> and by the way, Bernanke warned Congress that while they could buffer this for a while, they would run out of rope. Yeah. All right. And when they did, things were going to get really, really nasty. And, and of course, Congress ignored that warning. Why? Because for 40 years they got away with it. So guess what? 
They're going to do it for, you know, well, for 30 years at that point. So they're going to do it for 10 more. Well, now we've hit that wall. But the only way you're going to break people of that belief, the only way you're going to break people like Donald Trump from doing what he did. Remember, this is a guy that said he was self-prescribed king of debt. All right, so when COVID came along, that he was going to issue credit into the system in that sort of a way with the full backing of Congress, which, of course, everybody says Congress bites it, except for their guy who brings the credit yeah. home into oh, yeah. his district, and, and he's wonderful. And we're, oh, yeah. We just have to support him. The rest of Congress, they're a bunch of skunks. Not our guy, though. Right. It's the way it always is. That Pavlovian reaction has to be broken, and it has to be done so decisively. And, and that means that, like it or not, what Volcker did was correct because he did, in fact, break that mentality for a while. Well, I, I, would, I would, first of all, it's not good radio, but I absolutely agree with you. It's not quite what I was talking about. But I would agree with you in the sense that everything you do, I mean, when we got time, I said, well, see, see if this resonates maybe better. Whenever you make an investment, you know this because you have you have a firm, you had a firm, and you've had several firms. Whenever you make an investment, your payback is going to be down the road a little bit. Right. And so when you do stuff like that, say, say you're going to build the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay, well, you're, you're going to get, I don't know if there's a fee across that thing or not, I don't think there is, but say there was, or, or Hoover Dam where you got electrical power. You go out and you borrow money, and the borrowing tides you over through the construction to where you start getting fees for electricity and you can pay people interest and then eventually pay them off. That, that's right. the right way to do it, okay? Or, but it never gets done that no, way, it, Chief. But it used to. But I mean, what I'm saying right now is now they come out with this, this crap. Even Trump's tax decrease. The idea was the, the, the Council of Economic Idiots, well, whether they're even independent or not, I don't know, they're going to go back and say, in 10 years... Uh, by the way, this is going to pay for itself, which I doubt anyway. But, but even if even if it did, you got nine years in the middle where you're sucking on something, right? And, and it used to be you borrowed for that, and if it was a good investment, it actually might work out. But now they're saying, screw it. Let's just let's just have the the Fed print the dough, and and hopefully it'll come back in ten years. But if it isn't, I'm not going to be here. So who cares? And that, well, that's right. Yeah. But look, I, while you're talking and, and you're making perfect sense. Up pops on my Twitter feed, Mike Pence. Let me read this to you. We know how to get our country back on track. We did it under the Trump-Pence administration. We achieved the lowest unemployment, the highest household incomes, the most pro-American trade deals, the most secure border, and the most powerful military in the history of the world. And then he goes on and says, in 2022, we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to build a majority that could last for generations. There's not one centella of recognition that what the Trump-Pence administration did when COVID hit is why you had $5 gallon gas. Oh, yeah. Okay, and yet, and why you currently have 12 15% inflation in groceries. And why housing affordability is the worst it has ever been in the history of the United States. I'm going to say Mike is smoking the good stuff. Well, whatever he's smoking... That's not legal anywhere in the United States. <laughs> okay. <laughs> some, you know, weaker stuff's legal in Illinois, but it sure isn't. <laughs> Whatever you're, you're saying, he, he, he's going into the mountains of Columbia and getting the really good stuff. 
<laughs> I, you know, I, I'm just saying, whatever it is, you know, maybe it's from a hunter's stash. I, I don't know. But, I, you know, it, it, so much of this is fraud. You know, it's like, as I was saying before the break, when, you know, we got, we got cut off because, you know, because of time. Uh, Punta Gorda got hit by Charlie a number of years ago. I lived in Florida at the time. I saw it happen. One of their schools and their courthouse were badly damaged by that hurricane. Why? Because they were not built properly. They were rebuilt after Charlie went through there. They just took a direct hit in the face from a storm that was essentially the equal of Charlie. Everybody says there's the worst one. No, it wasn't. Charlie was essentially the same thing in terms of strength. And it went in almost exactly in the same place. They didn't even have a broken window in either of those two buildings. Really? Okay. Now, how much of the stuff that got ruined down there in the Naples area was put up after Charlie and wasn't built correctly. And by the way, this the, when I lived in Florida, we saw this after every single storm. Roofs on buildings that were built after Andrew and supposedly with the correct codes that were clearly not because the roof is laying in the middle of the street or speared through the next door neighbor's roofs and the, the clips and securing fasteners that are supposed to be there on the roof aren't there. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay? Nobody ever goes to jail for this. Well, if you even if you build a uh, in, in in Chicago in this area, if you see people building a brick house, you see those little little uh, metal things that comes out of one brick, it goes down a brick, and then there's a brick next to it. Yeah, those are those are earthquake. Yeah, they're seismic ties. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and if and if you don't do that, and somebody gets killed in there, you almost like you know I, with the example to you, you know the my get all this my aunt somehow or another her, her father. Retires to Florida, right? He didn't be dull. Uh, so he ends up down in uh, in Homestead. Remember that place? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, and well, that was where Andrew came yeah, to. And yeah. She, and she says you, you got to go down there and check the house because she was renting it. Carl, I never saw an area like that in my life. It was basically two by four and a and plywood with something on it, maybe some kind of siding. There wasn't a building code anywhere. I mean, I, I just went in there as, a, as an observer just to see if the place was still up as a favor to her. I'm like, and look at this place. Everybody had, like, the, the last three washing machines on the porch. Nobody even brought them to the yeah. dump. You know, every car you owned was in the driveway. It was like something out of Tobacco Road. And when that thing came through there, every one of those houses was leveled. It was not, there, was, well, there wasn't a stick standing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what? I, don't, I, didn't know, I know nothing about hurricanes being from the Midwest. But I would have said, if three of us got on the side of this place and blew hard enough, we could have blown it over. Well, yeah, and, and you know, the thing is, is that it's, it, it, and as I've pointed out to people many times over the years, it's not that the wind blows, it's what the wind blows. Oh, yeah. When, it, when it's a, a huge section of your neighbor's roof, it goes right through the side of your building. What's with the dudes with, the, with their boats out on the cans? Are, are you just hoping they never find them again and call the insurance oh, guy? Oh, no. You, you, listen, the scam with that... Is, is legendary. So during named storms, marine insurance is no fault. So what you end up hap- having happen every single time is if, if you actually pay attention and you have the correct ground tackle, virtually any hurricane is survivable in, in a vessel, believe it or not. Okay? Now you have to be intelligent about how you do things and where you put it, but it is. 
But what happens is that somebody that really doesn't want, they, they can't get what they owe on the boat selling it. They don't really want it, but it's got insurance. So they go a little light on the ground tackle or on the lines or on whatever have you. And, and they do it on purpose. And the storm comes, and they become a pinball. Well, you can survive the storm. You're not going to survive the 50,000-pound boat that comes crashing into yours. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> that you cannot survive. And, and once that starts, then you break free, and now you're part of the battering ram that goes and wrecks you know, the next 20 people. And, and then you have the same sort of situation that comes with marinas in that some of them are as conscientious as they can be, and they build as well as they can given the circumstances. And there are, there, sometimes things are just beyond your control and bad things happen. But an awful lot of them, you got a lot of deferred maintenance, you got rotten pilings, you, you know, and, and some of it is intentional, some of it is just stupid. But it doesn't matter in the end because that's why you end up with a pile of boats that are, you know, up against somebody's apartment building. So you're saying if you have and one of those cans in every storm. So you're saying if you have one of those cans and it's done right, you actually might be survivable. Um, if if you're intelligent about where you place it and how you how you secure it, uh, I, I I owned a 45 foot Hatteras. We went through Ivan with it. It was fine. It took no damage. Now, in some ways, we got lucky because as the storm was coming in, I watched a tornado coming down the road near where it was moored, and if it hadn't picked up and we'd actually gotten hit by the tornado, it would have been destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the boat did not get hit by the tornado. I mean, you can't do anything about a tornado, right? All right, <laughs> All right Kyle, we got a dash, but SP Futures, now we're back up 10. As if he's up 27, who knows? He might actually bounce to the upside here. Not looking so good for my Nike, though, Carl. Yeah, ouch, down 12 bucks, 83.30, way below was pre-COVID. Uh, uh, good for them. <laughs> yeah, really good for them. Be back on Monday, Stacks and Jacks. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.